Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the podcast, My First Season. In this podcast, I interview travel writers and people who worked for resorts, hotels, cruise ships, and airlines, and we'll talk about their experience in travel and tourism. My guest today and I have never worked together before, but I believe we did meet at an XGO reunion in Cancun at some point, either in 2008, 2010, but we'll talk about that later. I think she's one of those uh, famous geos that you know by, by her nickname, and we're going to get into how she got her nickname. Her first season was in October 1994 in Punta Cana as an archer geo. Ladies and gentlemen, from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, Sunny. Hey, Sunny, how are you? I'm great. Thanks, Greg. Wow, that was a nice intro. I'm uh... a... <laughs> I'm humbled. I'm humbled. Well, I, have, I am dying to know about your nickname. So uh, usually that's one of my later questions, but why don't we just, did you get sunny before Club Med or did you uh, in Club Med? <laughs> Great question. So I did get sunny at Club Med, but it was before I was working there. Um, as we talked about uh, when we spoke last week, um, I went to a lot of Club Meds in my life. And so it was in Mexico in Playa Blanca, a cherished village that I was on vacation in my late teens and I met a another friend there and um she just said you know your name Elizabeth doesn't really suit you you need a you need a more more vibrant a more joie de vivre name and uh she gave me the nickname Sunny and it stuck okay all right so okay so let's back up a bit so I assume you started going to Club Med as a kid right is that when you started I did. My family, my parents had gone to Club Med um, back from the 70s on when it was really, you know, there were really some wild and crazy times, I think. And so they started taking my brother and I, my first club was when I was 11. Uh, and so that was in the, uh, the early 80s. And that was uh, my brother and I were some of the first kids in the mini club. <clears throat> so it was uh, Extapa. Extapa was my first club. And then we went every year after that. So I grew up really going to Club Meds. And it was when I was 11 that I decided... I must at some point in my life be a geo. This is fabulous. This is magical. And I really fell in love with the uh, with the business and the business model right from from there. Okay, we'll go forward a bit. So were you, when you first applied, were you working or going to school? So I completed going to university in Ontario, uh, Western, and it was my third year of university. So out of four, I contacted Club Med and asked them, what do you never have enough of? Like, what kind of geos do you always want to find and you can never find the right ones? And much to my surprise, they said archery. So in that, I spent a year, Greg, um, learning to be the best archer I could be. I went and I, I, I totally overdid it, by the way. I bought a bow. Uh, I, joined, <laughs> I joined an archery club. Yeah, I have a lot of questions about this, but go on. Yeah. I was really, I just really wanted to, I really wanted to make sure that there was no way that they could say no to me. So I joined an archery range. I was the only female. I was the only non-hunter. I took lessons every week. I read everything I could find about archery. I read, you know, Zen and the art of archery. Um, I became so overqualified. I had a like I could have te- I could have taught Olympic archers. That's how good I became. Okay. No. Now, okay. Wait, I got to, before you go on, I have some questions. Okay. Cause you know, okay. I find it odd that they said arch, archer geo because I briefly did archery geo very briefly. And okay. it was one of the easiest jobs you'll ever get low impact on the body, you know, yeah. aside from all the walking to the target and back to get the arrows, that's the boring part. So I find it really, so this, so you would have asked this question to them in 1993, I'm guessing if you said yes, 1993, okay, I, I can't believe they had trouble filling this seems like the easiest job in the whole world. And I'm, I could say that because I did it. Uh, all right. And what was my other question? Okay. So you, so you read Zen in the Art of Archery. You oh, bought, yeah. You bought your bow. 
Oh, wow. Okay. You know what? And they just, when I did Archer Geo, they, they threw me in there. We looked look great because it was actually the second season. I should have been a chief of sports, but as you know, in the winter, a lot of chief of sports don't get a village and yeah. they have to take whatever they can get or stay at home. So they said, well, we got archery in Columbus if you want it. So I went, <laughs> all right. So and I didn't do anything about archery. I didn't read about it. <laughs> I figured I knew, I knew how to pull with my right arm. Uh, okay. I think, so. I think that was <laughs> what they were used to. And I honestly think that's all they needed. But I think perhaps the, the more um, appropriate question would have been what, you know, what do you not have enough of that you actually need them to have qualifications? <laughs> so, well, it is. It's, uh, it's, it's funny because it is the only uh, sport where we physically arm the guests with a weapon, if you think about oh it. Oh my gosh, you know? <laughs> I realized that fast and furious when I had to teach it to kids. Well, wait, uh, let's, let's go back to the, the university. So you were three out of four. Did you, may I ask what you were studying? Yeah, I was studying um, fine arts and art history. Oh, you were so close. So you thought, you know what? <laughs> Screw this. Okay. <laughs> what am but I doing? I, I complete. I completed my degree. I, I did the fourth year, and that's when I learned to be the archer. And then it's probably okay. worth worth noting that I I did apply. So uh, after the year of learning to be a good archer, I called back to. Port St. Lucie, Florida head office of Club Med and said, I want to, I want to apply. And I said, well, why don't you just, you know, call the local Montreal office? And I said, no, I want, you know, I want to come to the head office and um, have an in-person interview, please. So they, you know, they said, okay, well, if you, if you feel like you need to fly to Florida. So okay, on my <laughs> wait. Okay. So you on your own dime, okay. Are you yeah. telling me on your own dime, you flew to Florida? Yes. All right. Yes. Uh, back up one more second. Where were you okay. practicing this archery? Like, cause you know, you need a kind of a safe backyard or something. So what, any uh, where, where, were you, where were you doing this well there are archery ranges oh in, you had in, archery ranges oh okay yeah indoor archery range oh my so lord okay they're, <laughs> they're few and far between Man, i well i know i know you didn't get your money back when you started club Med because i remember what the starting <laughs> salary was so okay so you flew <laughs> you paid for indoor archery range oh boy okay and you had yeah. a coach i guess yes uh, Yes, oh, wow. I had a yes, I had oh my, a coach. Yeah. Oh my god, this is insane. Okay. I really, really wanted the job. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> you know you could have did boutique. Okay. okay. No, I was not. Or, I was or definitely. literally anything else. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah, because if you're a boutique, you know, uh male, male or female, it wouldn't have cost you anything. You know, you don't you know, there's no ranges for that. Right. So I, okay. So no, but I'm really impressed by your drive and perseverance because this is uh, I've never heard a story like yours before. This, oh, uh, thank and this, you. And you just, and you're not even finished. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Well, so I'm pretty close to You, you finish, flew to Florida. I flew to Florida. I had my in-person interview. I showed up at the interview with my bow, oh my God. a quiver of arrows. I had paper targets. I was ready to show them. Wait, 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 wait. You, you walked into the interview with yes, all I this? Yes, oh, yeah. And uh, needless why did, to say- Why was there an interview? Why didn't they give it to you right on the spot? You know, they like, did. I, oh, they okay. did. <laughs> well, just for flying, agreeing to fly there from Toronto, okay? Because you're not, you're not, you weren't flying from the States. You're flying from a different country Yeah. <laughs> on your own Days. time. <laughs> so I um I'd also as an aside I'd also learned to juggle that year because I thought it would be really helpful to have juggling on my resume. Ah, interesting. So, okay, so who taught you how to juggle? Um uh, a book, you know. Oh, you learned by book. In my bedroom, you know, if you if you take your three balls and you lean your your knees up against the bed, yes. you can learn to juggle faster because well, they don't fall well, as far. I, so. I, found, I found that out on my own. Like when I would teach people, <laughs> I said, you know what? Yeah, go against the bed because when you're learning, you're all constantly, you know, bending over, picking up, you know, the balls that are going everywhere. Okay. So this is uh, fascinating because I learned to juggle in Australia in 2000 with help oh. the circus team. So do you remember, because I remember the exact moment the third ball went in the air and oh. I 
because it seems so hard to do yet the moment you get it your brain opens up you're going oh my god this was so easy what took so long so do you remember that moment where you first I absolutely do I absolutely do yeah it's like solving the Rubik's Cube for the first time you're right it's like something tweaks in your brain and it's so celebratory why why did I struggle with this it's so easy one goes up one goes down (laughs) Okay, so you taught yourself to juggle. Okay, so, wow. Anyhow, I habitually overdo things. So okay. I, uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a thing about me. So, so yeah, so they, they did hire me um, pretty much on the spot. And uh, they asked me when I was ready to go. And I said, in the fall. And I was given my first village. I was given Punta Cana. So I started in the fall. Had, of you, had you been there actually? I had. GM? Oh, okay. Yes. So you already yes. knew the resort. I um, knew the resort. Yeah, I knew my chief of village. You did? Who I was, did. Who, who was it? Gustavo Ribeiro. Oh, so did he remember you from your... Uh... He, he did. Yeah, he did. Okay. He had been a windsurfing geo and I was there when I was maybe 15 or 16. And then he was chief of village. He was Brazilian. He wasn't a chief for long, but he was exceptional. It was wonderful. Oh, okay. Wow. So you, so you were probably the most, I don't know, I guess, ready for a club person that I've ever <laughs> met. Like, so you already knew that the, the hours were long. You might have not have physically did work seven days a week yet I'm guessing or did you practice that too (laughs) 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 but you know 22 years old it's just you know people ask about club med all the time to me quite honestly and it is a job for people in their 20s I mean maybe 30s and maybe 40 maybe people can do it but back then working seven days a week at 22 I could do it and I loved it you did okay Oh yeah. Do you like midnight rehearsals too? And, oh, and yeah. all that. Okay. I loved it. <laughs> Five <laughs> hours think, sleep, no problem. I don't know if everyone's answering me honestly because no one has said no yet, and I'm the only one who's who screams out, "No, I hated rehearsals. Love the shows. <laughs> hated rehearsals only because of the time they were at." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you probably had zero culture shock because you'd been to Club Med your whole life. There was nothing really that surprised you. I'm guessing your first week there at all. Nope. Right? No. No. I, I. I think I was. Yeah, well, well said. Zero culture shock. Um, I was the village was closed for the summer because of hurricanes, so I got the I think a real privilege of opening the village. So I I wasn't thrown into a village that was already operating. I was one of the first geos to arrive, and then we had maybe you know fifty or seventy more people arrive in the next couple of days. So it was really exciting to open a village and, and to get to do the training and and to set up my archery range on my own and to get to to uh, to meet everybody before the guests arrived. You know, so we got to build our own little subculture and uh, and get to really know each other as a team. Well, let's talk about your say. So let's talk about your first week of teaching archery. So now you're actually teaching. So uh, were there any horror stories? Any or uh, did you what did you what did you find uh, that you liked or didn't like? Well, <laughs> t- teaching archery. <laughs> to, your, to your point, there wasn't. You know, it's not a it's not a it's not a regular sport. So that. Punta Cana had sailing and windsurfing and kayaking and circus and like really dynamic sports. So archery didn't draw those people. <laughs> so archery was more a sport for people who were very sunburned, who had to get out of the sun, get off the beach, or people who maybe weren't athletic and didn't have any interest in those sports. So what I did was I made the archery range like a uh, a kind of an escape from an escape from civilization, if you will. I made it, I played soft music. I always had um, a bouquet of flowers. I put out my archery books. My I had poetry books about archery, like crazy stuff. And um, made it really a kind of a, a serene experience. So very unsporty. And I found that people really liked it. So probably half the time at archery, and I found this out the first week, I was just talking to people. As much as I was teaching them archery, I was really just interacting with people and you know, we had really great conversations. I got to know some, some beautiful people that year. Some people I'm still in touch with. 
Okay. Now, mm-hmm. there are certain sports like tennis and golf that are, I, I agree, gentlemen's sports, and the proper attire should be one. However, I, uh, I mean, proper attire should be worn. So I worked with a few tennis geos, one in particular in Italy, <laughs> an Italian geo who was incensed every time a man showed up in a Speedo for tennis lessons. Oh. So did you have a no Speedo allowed policy for archery or it didn't really matter? Because I'm quite <laughs> sure since it was archery, a guy would just show up in a Speedo. And... Absolutely. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. But I, uh, I did too. I, I, uh, Wait, <laughs> we're friends on. on Facebook. Okay. You may have okay. seen my yeah, pictures. Yeah. <laughs> I taught in a bikini and a sarong most of the time. Oh, you did? So, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to do yeah. a deep dive on those photos later. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So you, uh, okay. So, okay. So you made it your own thing. I did. Yeah. And, and um, you, I guess you had tournaments too and everything. We did several times a week. We had tournaments. We had, uh, and I also taught the kids. And let me tell you, Greg, that was there was some stress involved in that because <laughs> the mini club would come and it was first thing in the morning and I had to drink chamomile tea to calm myself down before they came around the corner. <laughs> and, um, you know, I had, of course, they're, they're the mini club geos that were there to help me, but it was really a, an exercise in, in keeping everybody safe. So, but we had, so we had tournaments for the kids and then we had tournaments as the week went on. Some of them were really fun, you know, just blow up a bunch of balloons and he, and, and some of them had sangria involved maybe a little questionable. I don't know. Um, and then we had a end of the week tournament for the people who had really, really improved. And um, yeah, it was tremendous fun. Some of the first things I learned to say in other languages were archery terms. So uh, <laughs> I can teach, uh, I can still teach archery in Spanish and French. I can't do much else in those languages, but anyhow, yeah, it was, a, it was a, it was a great experience to, um, to have that and to be able to run it on my own. And one of the highlights of, of every day was that chief of village I mentioned coming around the corner and coming to see, coming to visit. And he always just said hello to the, uh, to the guests and had a little chat. And it was nice to have the autonomy. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have a team, which I guess there was nice things about having a team, but it was also really great to be able to run that show on my own. After a few weeks of uh, teaching archery, I mean, archery was your way in that as were you slowly looking around what other people I mean you already knew what other people were doing did you want to switch jobs at any point that first season like, that's great that's uh, what, very was your good dream, question. what was your dream job in the river? so I ended up after my first season after a year of teaching archery I did switch I went to the windsurfing team so I um I spent that year learning to windsurf archery was something I taught in the morning and then late afternoon so I had four hours off in the middle of the day and Gustavo always encouraged us when you're not doing your sport or your activity, learn something else, go out there and, you know, take advantage of all the fun things there are to do at Club Met. And so I chose to, I learned circus, of course, most of us did, but I also really concentrated on learning to windsurf. And so my second and third years at Club Met, I was a windsurfing and beach. Okay, let's back up. So you went Mm -hmm. from arguably learning one of the easiest sports in the world, (laughs) learning one of the hardest, because I... uh, (laughs) Well, argue, oh, sure. Okay. To, to get at the Olympic level and to hit the bullseye. Yeah, I know. That's a skill, but I'm saying and when, you're, I'm when, you're, when you're starting out, you know, I mean, I can tell you, and because uh, I, I windsurf, there's nothing more frustrating and you'll probably agree than learning to windsurf, right? Like you're never on oh, yeah. the board, you're in no. the water. Okay. And then, the, then, and then just to, you know, everyone goes out, but no one comes back, right? When you're learning. Yeah. So you're getting rescued. So it's, you know, it takes a good three months. So, uh, so how long, 
did it take you to get where you wanted to be? I mean, uh, in windsurfing. Well, I don't think I was ever, a, I think I was always a steady intermediate. <laughs> so I was, you know, windsurfing teams are filled with people who have windsurfed their whole lives. And um, so I was never one of those people, of course, but I was. Actually not true. I, I've worked in some resorts where it is true. You can teach windsurfing if you don't know how to do it. Like a beginner, you can teach it on, on the beach and whatnot. But I, I have mm. worked for people who didn't know how, but. Yes. I mean, because you know what? The guest who stays one week isn't going to learn windsurfing, even though they think they are. <laughs> no, that's right. They might go out and they might come back, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not yeah. likely. Yeah, it's, a, it's a, got a high threshold for, yeah, there's a lot of people who, who, who come for one lesson and you never see them again. But I was, yeah. I taught beginners and um, some sort of low intermediates, but I, I, I loved it. But I, I did have you know, in, in terms of how long did it take me? Well, I'm still working on it, you know, <laughs> still, still trying to get better at it. But um, it was a great for people who have been to Punta Cana, the the water is clear, the water is shallow, you know, there's nothing to really worry about in terms of like getting too far out because there's a reef out there and people can see you. So it was a really ideal place to learn. And I did have those four hours off every day, midday. So as long as I went out for a half an hour, an hour, you know, and practiced five days a week, you know, it was pretty enjoyable. It was pretty, pretty good. And I tried to not tax the team too much so that they didn't have to come and save me too often. I would, you know, swim my board back into shore if I had to, but it was, it was a great, a great place to learn. Okay. Let's go back to the first season a bit. You okay. arrived in October. So what's mm-hmm. it, what was it like working your first Christmas and New Year's or were they just any other days to you didn't really matter? Or was the shock of working Christmas day where you're normally with your family and whatnot? Did that have any effect on you? I think I was a little sad. I was the youngest in the village. I was the youngest person there. I was 21. My birthday's around Christmas, so I just was turning 22. But I did, um, I had gone to school away from home. I had gone to school in Switzerland for a year. So it wasn't my first Christmas and New Year's away from home. I was also very fortunate because my family came to see me a few times every year that I worked at Club Med. So I got to see them, even though I wasn't with them at Christmas, I got to see them. So I was pretty fortunate. And of course, Club Med does such a nice job of, you know, like honoring your, your rituals and, and making sure that you feel, you know, not your family's love, but the love of your team. And I think we were... I think we were pretty well compensated. Okay, stop. You dro- dropped a little nugget there about Swiss boarding school. So were you a no. wild child and that's why you were sent away? No. Or, or you just had the opportunity? <laughs> yeah, because you don't sound, you know, a person named Senny doesn't seem like, a, you know, the crazy, you know. I was an absolute rebel. No, I'm just okay. kidding. <laughs> no, okay. I just, uh, there was a, there's a, a Swiss boarding school um, called Neuchâtel Junior College. And it's in Neuchâtel, Switzerland. And it is, uh, it's a Canadian school. Oh, really? So, yeah, it's oh. run with the Ontario curriculum. Okay. And uh, it's been around for, I'm going to say, 60, 60 or 70 really? years. Yeah, yeah. It's not a big school. There were only 55 of us. Okay. But, um, and it's only for your last year of high school. So okay. back then it was grade 13. So you skied your butt off okay. a lot, right? I skied my butt off and ate a lot of fondue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm guessing, uh, you know, as the weeks went by in your first season, you're probably one of those geos that ran up to the choreographer and said you wanted to be in every show right did you spy on me no did no I just I just had this impression that seeing as how someone you know went to the lengths you did for your interview so yes. I'm guessing that you walked up and said you know what put me in anything you want and that's right I did. okay <laughs> you didn't pretend you didn't know how, how to dance like I did and fall over yourself to not get in the show you said you know what if you need me I'm here put me in it that's right. You I had, sure you had, did. Do you have any favorite shows from that first season that you did? Oh, I loved them all. I really did love the shows. And I think a lot of it was just, I loved 
watching the shows as a GM. I got so much out of it and I saw the joy. So so I did I did go up to the choreographer, Claudia from Montreal. She was fabulous and said, I'll, I'll do anything you want me to do. And I think my favorite show was Cats. Oh God! Um, I I know people. No, like I, I've never I never did that one, you but never I, did I, it? I hear horror stories. But you liked it. Okay. <laughs> it's polarizing. I mean, it was okay. very all in. The, the, the costumes <laughs> were skin tight. The the makeup was you know caked on your face and and the, the oh, ears oh. and the tails. Which character were you? Do you have the name? Of the I name? was uh, boy. I don't remember. Are you Rum Tum Tugger or something? Or? No, that was oh, a boy. Okay. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I did have a few. I did have a few solos. Did you watch the it, recent movie Cats? And, and was it a train wreck, or did you not see it yet? I did not see it because oh, okay. it was a train wreck. But okay. I've seen it. I've seen the theater production. I think that was part of the reason I loved it so much. It was nostalgic for me because I'd seen the theater production of Cats with my family as a child. So it felt really fun to be performing it. But what I really loved about it, Greg, is we would start that show with us behind the audience. So they'd be sitting in the, in the seats, uh, looking at the stage and this, the fog machine would start blowing the fog. And then we'd start crawling down behind the audience, through the audience. And just to see the looks of delight on the little kids' faces as we, you know, we'd go up to them and meow at them. And it was just always fun. Just always so much and, fun. And cough out hairballs and whatnot. <laughs> Scared a few, <laughs> startled a few little kids. But no, for the most part, it was just a really, really delightful show, show to perform. So that was my favorite. What were your top three crazy signs back in 94? I love that really hard one. I was trying to remember the name of it, where you do snap on the on their legs and then clap and then you miss your hands and you drink oh, the, the it's like the story and... of yeah the story of club ed one right i love and then that they, one then they speed it up right and you do yes. it double time and it's a competition okay. and whoever yeah. does the worst <laughs> just jump in the pool i loved that i mean obviously i'm a classic so i like hands up i could do the electric slide in my sleep <laughs> i just <laughs> so i still go to club med I still go to Club Med often. Oh, you do? So, yes. I'm not since COVID, of course, yeah. but uh, I still go back to Turks and Caicos once or twice a year with uh, with a lot of old XGOs and girlfriends. So we still do the, uh, when when we come back, sometimes they'll do the, the old-fashioned, as they call the old-fashioned crazy signs, and I like them all. So you got any funny stories from your first season? Funny stories. Doesn't, okay, it doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> I, I prefer funny, but it doesn't have to be funny. It could be like you know, this went wrong on this excursion and, you know. Ah, good one. Okay. It could be a well, horror show, but, you know, it doesn't have to be funny. <laughs> as part of, uh, it's pretty, I think this is a great story. This always, this is something I think about a lot. As part of my, uh, as part of all of our roles at as geos, we had to do, you know, what we did with archery or windsurfing or boutique. And then also for anybody who hasn't worked at Club Med, you have to do things like go to the airport to pick people up. So I was in charge of the New York arrival so the new york charter and we know new yorkers are amazing right so much life wait, and- wait a minute they sent sunny sunny to the new york <laughs> i know it was arrival. just a timing it was just a timing oh thing they're trying they're trying to break you huh <laughs> they, they definitely need somebody with more edge than i had okay. but anyhow maybe my yeah, uh, they must have any- loved you new york they- okay go on please okay <laughs> they- ate me for dinner um but on one occasion um you know so what you get everybody onto the bus and their luggage on the bus and and i'd stand up at the front as we started to drive and have the microphone and explain to the, the new yorkers all the exciting things that were going to happen this week and what they could expect and i always tried to throw in and guys if you're if you're not if you didn't read your brochure carefully i just want to tell you you don't have tvs in your room because back then there weren't TVs in the rooms. And uh, that was usually met with some laughter, sometimes some groans. But on one occasion, a woman stood up and angrily said, stop this bus. I am getting off. And oh my goodness, I was 
ill-prepared for this situation. So I put the microphone down and I went halfway down the bus and, and sat down beside her and more or less pleaded with her to give it a try. You know, this was going to be okay. And, and let's just, let's just try it one night and see how you do. Okay. She, wait, did she say stop the bus because there were no TVs? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Oh, pardon me. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. Okay. She couldn't <laughs> fathom the idea of a week without television. And particularly, you know, she had these shows that she she ended up confessing to me, you know, almost an addiction or just a dependency on watching these shows. And and she didn't know what she had gotten herself into at Club Med. 1994? That wasn't good TV back then, was there? I mean, true, I was in Club Med like you, but I can't recall what was so good in 1994. She mentioned to me certain things like Maury Povich, like things like, you know, nothing that you really (laughs) think is. Yeah, and the award-winning TV right there, Maury. (laughs) To each their own. I really felt for her, though, because it hurt, like it was a desperation that she was saying. And so anyhow, long story short, she did, I, I paid a lot of attention to her on that bus ride and we got her to the club and I got her to her room and she sought me out um, a couple of days later and she was having a wonderful time. And oh, it made me so happy. And I just always felt so grateful because it was, you know, there was, it was a lot. Club Med was a lot different then. And so to go from like civilization, New York City and whatever life she was living to Club Med with no phones, no TVs, no clocks on the walls. Remember, there were no magazines. Yeah. I, I remember totally, our, totally our, chief of, our chief of village discouraged us from asking people about home. That year, that was when O.J. Simpson occurred. Yes, yes. That's, I remember that specifically from my first season. Guess, uh, Geos were running up to the New York Charter and asking them for the latest news from that whole thing. I'm like... <laughs> Okay, I, that's what's what I remember a lot about my first season. But I'm I was thinking I'm in Club Med. I, why are, why would they care about that? You know, happening in in the world. But that was a huge thing. You're right. That was a huge thing. Well, we were we were three months into the season before we even knew about it. Yeah. Because yeah, so that's how shut off we were. So yeah. anyhow, it was a you know Club Med back then. It was Escape from Civilization, and I I, I just I w- always really valued that. That, that that's and do you know why it was founded greg did you ever hear the story about how it was founded to help veterans uh yes um, yes yeah I did. yeah yeah what a, what a wonderful thing you know yeah. we if there's ever a time i'd say we need that now more than ever i, yeah. I think it would be wonderful to have a, a club that still operated like that yeah it was yeah found in 1950 which was what just five five years or less after the war so yeah, yeah that's right to help veterans uh, escape I, I, it's a fabulous story yeah Yes, it was. So that's um, so that was pretty profound for me. Not that funny, but pretty profound. I guess something funny that always um, and, and slightly embarrassing was that as <laughs> as the archery geo, if you remember, we always did those sports demonstrations. So the the guests would come to the village, and on the first or second night after dinner, we'd do a sports demonstration around the pool. And so the sailboats would be put into the water and then show people how to sail in the swimming pool and you know different tennis players would hit balls across the across the pool at each other and it was all very fun and my job as archery geo was to shoot balloons out of the pool so we put the balloons and weight them down a little bit okay Um, let's yeah and as as you know (laughs) later on in years they stopped doing that because i think they learned arrows actually skip across the water right uh, oh my is, gosh did they is, really well this is what i heard they, they at one point they uh you weren't allowed by uh, i know for a fact by 2001 <laughs> you, you weren't allowed <clears throat> doing any archery demonstrations at the pool but yeah because there's a certain angle where it'll actually skip across the water and of course oh my gosh i'm so, glad i didn't know that until right now <laughs> okay so so for you they yeah they suspended the balloons uh with a weight and you had to yes and you so, hit them every time right well except for once okay. once was that absolute <laughs> catastrophe it was early it was early on and of course you know 
trying to camp it up, I had to dress like Robin Hood. I had to put the, you know, I was wearing my dress from dinner, but I had to put on a Robin Hood hat and wear quiver and bow. And uh, it was windy. It was windy because it was October and it was, as I said, the end of hurricane season. So uh, the, the balloons, they just had, the tether was a little too long and the wind was a little too much. And I planted the balloons a little too far away and I didn't hit enough. I can't remember how many I hit, maybe one or two out of five. Like it was very bad, very pathetic. And so my chief of sports on the microphone said, okay, so everybody, would you like to see Sunny jump in the pool? Because she did such a bad job. <laughs> and uh, there and then I had to jump in the pool in my dress in front of 600 people. And that was truly devastating. So I never made that mistake again. <laughs> Still have nightmares. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we all have those. We all have those stories. Yeah. yeah. That pool probably wasn't warm at all that uh, that night. If it was, oh, it was just, uh, it was just winter. the sheer winter yeah <laughs> sheer humiliation it had nothing to do with the temperature of the pool but yes we all have those so good other, question other than the uh, chief of village were there any like other managers or even employees that stood out to you that season i mean it could have been a chief of service or anyone that regular geo that made a good impression on you yes um i had uh two chiefs of, of sports that year, and both were, were truly uh, exceptional, and, and I'm grateful to be still friends with them today. Aziz, I'm, I believe I'm saying his name properly, Ait Ito. He's the chief of village now, and I think he's in Morocco. He is from Morocco, and um, he was just a, a passionate guy and really sh- just a great mentor to those of us who were who were younger and who were um, experiencing Club Med for the first time, he he just was all in. You know, if you're going to be here, be happy. If you're going to talk to guests, really talk to guests. Get to know people. Remember that this is their one week. And this is where I learned this uh, great way of looking at things. People would work for 50 or 51 weeks of the year to have their one week with us. And so as he said, I always said, just remember that this is their one week. So make it as special as you can. And I love that about him. And uh, the second chief of village after Aziz left was uh, Fifth Fithian, also a very famous geo for, for many years, for many reasons. And Fifth came into the club and he had been a land sports geo, I believe. And he came in as his, it was his first season of being chief of sports. But then about a week into his tenure as chief of sports, our chief of village, Gustavo's wife, went into labor in the U.S. So he had to leave the village. So fifth went from being uh, land sports to chief of sports to chief of village all within about a three week period. And uh, there was, you know, there was some chaos that ensued, I'll have to be honest, but he was up to the task and um, he did a great job. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I don't that doesn't happen that often where you get promoted that fast, but yeah, I guess. Uh, he, he went back. Yeah, no doubt. Cause now, now they're doubling up uh, chief of villages and, and resorts now that are opening. So, <laughs> but isn't that the way that club med was? It was, I, yeah. I think about that, like stepping up to a task was yeah. something we did all the time, you know? Okay. So somebody's hurt themselves and they can't do this role in the show. Can you spend a couple of hours, learn it and do it? Absolutely. You know, it was a very can-do attitude. You know, can you put together a palace night for tonight? You know, <laughs> ABBA's greatest hits. Can you do that in the next oh, couple of hours? I love ABBA. Absolutely. I, I, wish, I wish I never got to do ABBA, but I love ABBA. Okay. <laughs> never been embarrassed to say that. Okay. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> All right. So. Well, you must have a current question. So does it ever happen to you where you still have the recurring Club Med dream? You're back 
you're working as a geo does this do you dream do you have that dream or no because a, oh, a lot absolutely. of people do oh, okay. absolutely <laughs> yeah and sometimes it's a really wonderful dream and sometimes it's an anxiety dream like oh my goodness i hear the crazy signs where am i why <laughs> i have to run <laughs> i have to get there i have to move tables but actually on that note something that happens when i go back to club med with with girlfriends who also are ex-geos we feel compelled to work sometimes if we see something out of order we feel like we better go fix it move it we say hello to everybody we walk past um during the day and our our need to participate you know i'm st I still go in the fashion shows and still do every crazy sign so i think it's something that you know if you had a good experience like you and i were more blessed to have that it stays with you in a very positive way very mm -hmm. true very true once a geo always a geo is that the expression that's what it says <laughs> <laughs> that's what it says <laughs> i love it and i also have taken my my uh my kids my husband and i have taken our kids to club med and you know they have great impressions and i i wouldn't be surprised they're they're mid mid teenagers right now but i wouldn't be surprised if if they become uh geos one day would be I'd be so proud. It'd be so wonderful. Oh, you certainly can teach them archery, right? <laughs> I don't think they want to. <laughs> no? Okay. <laughs> they probably saw what the land sport guy gets to do and like, yeah, I'd rather do that. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think I'm going to be good with tennis, swimming, okay. snorkeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. You're, so when did you end your season at Punta? Like you, you arrived in October. So when did you, like when you were gearing up to fill out your dream sheet or whatever, what, what, uh. I guess we're in 95 now. Like you stayed, you stayed at least six months there. I, I think I was there until August. Okay. So did, they August? Yeah. so did they yeah, ask you where you wanted to go next? Yes. I had um, a couple of opportunities. I could have gone to Lindemann that year if I wanted it, which Australia. So obviously oh, very did, exciting. Why didn't you? Because I would have had to do archery again and I was uh, ready to move on from archery. Oh, but it would have been so worth it. It would have been so worth it. And I would have been able to work with Gustavo again. And I, yeah. just, I love, working with him but I really was ready to do a new sport okay. and um you know it was as I said there were some advantages the autonomy and and, and everything but I I was a little bit lonely when the weather was good <laughs> or the village wasn't very full I could go hours without seeing anybody so um I, I was ready to try my hand at windsurfing and I accomplished a lot you know to be able to learn to be a good windsurfer and I called GA and and said I would like to try windsurfing and so I was placed in Cancun and that was a, a singles village at the time. So going from Punta Cana, which was family, 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 to like wild and crazy Cancun yes. as a beach geo was like quite a new experience. Yes. And that's what, you know, that's what you're there for. You're at Club Med to have experiences. So it was good to have something new, to try something really different. And you liked, uh, so you liked your time as a windsurf geo? Oh, I did. Yeah. I did. It was, um, it was, I, I say my happiest village was, was uh Punta Cana and my most fun year was was uh Cancun so it was um obviously had a, a whole boatload of different challenges with all adults and the the nights were later and the rehearsals were later and working on the beach had a ton of challenges and mostly you know the heat it was really it was really hard to be in that heat all day for for me but i learned some skills and one of them was how to have a power nap so i learned how to go and after lunch to nap for five minutes just to like recharge yes. and and to get back out there i'm sure lots of geos learned that skill yeah my uh yeah the my guest coming on monday you'll is johnny scuba and i specifically remember him on my first season he i say where are you going johnny you want to do something i oh, know i'm going to take a six minute nap 
and I and I laughed because I thought he was kidding. Like, how do you do? You know, there's no way you can do that. But then, yeah, you quickly learn that you yeah. can do that for the and, short amount of time you need. <laughs> and you must do that. Yes, I I learned that that skill. But I had a wonderful time. Cancun was exceptional. It was a it was a beautiful village. So that that village, I'd been there before also as a young teen. And when I was there in the 80s, the stretch of beach in Cancun had four hotels. And then when I went back to work, there were, well, I think that right now there are 194, 192, something like that. So it was really uh, interesting to see the transition, but it was a a great club and, you know, having the, the, the beach on one side and then the lagoon on the other and all the great opportunities for water skiing and water ski shows. It was a, it was a cool village. So if um, Punta is your, your happy one and Cancun is your, your fun one, do you, would magical be the same as happy? If I asked you, was any of your seasons magical or do you not use that word? Oh, you know what? I think all three years were magical because I also, I I concluded with Sonora Bay and uh, that was actually, that was quite magical. If anybody's, you know, people picture Mexico when you think about palm trees and beaches, but Sonora Bay on the other, on the other coast of Mexico, just a six hour drive from the border of Arizona was so different and uh, I worked on the beach there as well before moving into uh, PR, public relations. And I remember looking up to the mountains, standing on the beach and looking at the mount- mountains and seeing dust. And it looked like it was being kicked up, like it looked like it was dust in motion. So I grabbed the binoculars and looked up and it was wild horses running through the mountains. And I, I'd never seen anything like that. And I, I'll, I'll remember that vision the rest of my life so that was that was quite that was quite magical as well well we're recording this on july 15th yesterday was bastille day you would have been in punta cana for in july for bastille day so but i guess being uh, you were a gm like i was didn't know what was going on my bastille day i was completely confused uh, but obviously you knew what bastille day was and uh, because you were probably at club med during this time as a guest right so you knew what the people were doing right well i actually had never gone to club med in the summer because oh, as a canadian okay. you know we have two or yeah. three good months of summer so my family didn't go to club med in the summertime we always went over march break or, or december um so no bastille day was completely befuddling to me okay pretty much, pretty much still is <laughs> <laughs> but, but didn't we all just you know get into the costume and and you know, celebrate what we celebrated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone <laughs> says, here, take this flower bomb and throw it at the prison. You know, yeah, okay. Uh, but yeah, I had no idea, had no context. Yeah, we, we really <laughs> learn about, we really learn about Canadian history. If you're, you know, going to high school in Canada, I don't recall learning much about any European history. So I was completely <laughs> like <you> said, befuddled. <laughs> yes. what am I, why, why are you, you know, putting cannons on, on the beach and why are, why are we making flower bombs and just shut up and do it. Okay. Right. <laughs> Again, that can do attitude. All right. Yeah. I'm on it. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, there was a lot of that. And in that's my first season, I, I believe there were 17 different nationalities that I worked with and we, we had a lot of Brazilians because Gustavo was Brazilian. So we also celebrated all kinds of things to do with uh, Brazil and South America and, uh, yeah, it was fascinating. I loved it. And you kept up the traveling. You mentioned me last week. You actually backpacked around the world or with your kids. So what's that like? I did. Well, I uh, I think, you know, thanks in part to to the, my years at Club Med and to my parents who are, you know, adventurous spirits. And, and I grew up you know, sailing and doing different adventurous trips. In 2017 and 2018, my husband and I and our three kids backpacked around the world for 10 months. We took a year off. We rented at our house. We 
both were able to get um, leaves of absence from our, our careers, which was wonderful. And uh, we took our kids out of school, learned to homeschool. And um, we went to 19 countries, five continents, and we stayed in 94 different uh, places, Airbnbs and huts and hostels and had a wonderful, oh, and it was 69,000 kilometers we traveled. Had a wonderful time. Really a great trip. Was it hard for the kids to come back after all that? Because I'd imagine uh, it would be, right? That's fun. Nobody, not many people get to experience that. So I, I heard <laughs> Was there any kind of like you had to reintroduce them to society and <laughs> now you got to go back to school in the classroom and was there any of that or no? Or they were good? You know, it was so sometimes people will say, you know, how was that vacation? And I would say, oh, it was not it was not a vacation. It was it was uh, it was real life. So we, so the reintroduction to a degree was challenging, but we really traveled minimally. You know, we each traveled with a, a seven kilo backpack. We didn't stay in tourist places. Uh, typically, we, we tried to go to off the beaten path locations and um, to show our kids how people really lived around the world. And out of the 19 countries, 16 of them were developing nations. So, you know, we saw, you know, we were in Bosnia and Nepal and Cambodia and Peru. So we stayed in places that were, um, you know, they weren't luxurious. And uh, so I think when our kids got home, there was, well, amongst a lot of other things, there was a lot of gratitude, you okay, know, a lot of so, feeling like. So they, uh, missed their, they missed their bed. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they all had to sleep in one bed most of the time, okay. all three of my kids, <laughs> and sometimes all five of us in one bed. So uh, yeah, they were <laughs> to have space and to have, yeah, I think we all came back feeling pretty damn grateful um, for our lives, for to be Canadian and to have the opportunities that we have. And that was the point. That was the whole point of the trip was, you know, to, to grow some grit and to, um, to experience the world and to really understand how grateful we ought to be and how we, it's our obligation to give back. So I'll let you know in 10 years how it's panning out for my kids, but I think, <laughs> I think it was a good social experiment, Greg. The trip of that magnitude, was there, was there a favorite country that you visited? We'll always have a piece of my heart in Cambodia. I think it was, um, I had never been there before and I'd heard great things. I've been to Southeast Asia a few times, but never Cambodia. And the people were just, you know, that one in three Cambodians has been affected by a landmine. You know, that's an incredible high amount. And, and, and that's in my lifetime. And uh, the remnants of Pol Pot are everywhere you look. But the, the empathy and the kindness that I experienced from Cambodian people is just second to none. So that was, that would be my, my favorite. Yeah. My favorite country. My kids would say different, but that was my favorite. Okay. Excellent. Mm -hmm. I, you might've already answered this question, but in a way pertaining to your kids, but if there's a person out there listening, who's on the fence about, you know, applying to club med, do you think they should do it? Do it for six months? What do you say? Oh, I'd say absolutely. I'll, I'll hold your hand and take you to the interview. No. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I, I very much do. Um, I, I'm in my 40s. And I've obviously had a, a very robust career since since leaving Club Med. But often when I meet somebody through, you know, if it's a job interview or a mentoring situation, and they, they look at my CV or my LinkedIn, and they see Club Med, despite everything else I've done, that is often the first topic of conversation and they want to know about it. They want to, you know, a lot of questions like you and I are talking about right now, but it, it carries a certain, I don't want to say cachet. That's not the right word, but people who have worked at club med, they, there's something about them, right? It's, it's, what's the positive word for a cult? Like it's, it's got a certain, um, I can't think of the right word, but I would say it's life enriching and 
you will always be happy for the experiences you had. They're not always going to be delightful, but they'll always be beneficial and um, you'll make some incredible, incredible memories. Well said and well put. Is there anything I have not asked you that you wanted to say? Please tell me now because you have so much stories and, you know, I don't want to miss anything. So (laughs) I know we covered a lot, but is there something that you wanted to say or you? I guess just that it (laughs) it helped, Club Med helped me develop what I consider to be my purpose. You know, when you're, when you're, have the privilege of being with those people on, as we said, that one week, you know, that the ability to, to leave things better than you found it or to enrich any interaction you have in life. You know, I developed that, that sort of mantra from working at Club Med. So that's a pretty special thing. Well, that's a perfect way to end your episode. And I uh, really want to thank you for taking the time to share your story with us, Sunny. Thank you. Great talking to you. So ladies and gentlemen, that was from Toronto, Ontario, Canada, sunny, and we'll see you all next week. Bye.